It's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. I wouldn't call anyone a rookie if they've been a horror fan for decades. Uh, this all came up because there was um in some horror group that I'm a uh, part of on social media, someone was saying that um, they had joined this group and they were learning about all these movies they never even knew existed when they were growing up and like these movies, you know, these movies were like in circulation when they were growing up as a teenager and whatnot. And I was, I, I kind of jumped in the conversation and I pointed out, I said, the difference is the internet back when us quote unquote older fans, you know, when we were growing up, we were limited to what our local video stores had. Uh, you know, in my area, it was like, you know, jumbo video, top gun video, applause video, but I was limited to what they had in stock. And, I mean, I could also learn about movies through Fangoria, you know. But even going back, like, when I was a kid, Fangoria was pretty much the only magazine they sold in my city. Now we're lucky, you know, Fangoria's had their revival. We have Room Morgue. We have Scream Magazine. And, with again, with the internet... I can go on there and subscribe to these magazines or I can read their websites and whatnot. You know, and, and that's the whole thing. Like, my my generation, the Generation X, you know, because of labels and shit. But anyways, <laughs> we kind of, like, grew up going from analog to digital in, in a world where we, you know, video stores. They're pretty much obsolete now. The, the last one in my hometown of Windsor just got shut down a few months ago. There is no more video stores. Um, but we have the internet. We have Netflix. We have Shudder. We have Tubi. Uh, in the States, they have Screambox, which is apparently another horror streaming site. Um, and because of the internet, it's opened up so many worlds, so many doors for us. You know, the foreign market of films. You know, I, I'm seeing movies from Korea, from Indonesia, from Italy. Well, Italy, Italian horror kind of branched out into, like, my local video stores, but in some places it didn't. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like, when, when I was growing up as a kid, like, you had to search for your horror movies or you had to hear from your friends. And that was pretty much what you were limited to. Um and nowadays, you know, a few ticks on a keyboard or a smartphone or whatever the fuck, and you can virtually find any movie 
you know it, and you can read about movies that you never knew existed you can go on youtube and watch trailers of films you never had any clue even existed and you have access to it now and and that's the difference and Again, like I said, like I, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, some guy, and I think the guy said like he was in like his early fifties or something like that, and he's like, I feel like a rookie. And it's like, no, you know what? We're not, we're not rookies. Or like the the other thing is, is this whole like time limit thing on like, oh, this new movie came out. If you didn't see it when it came out, like you're not a fan. Like no, like <laughs> there are movies that came out in. The 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, 80s, 90s, even 2000s, you know, early 2000s that I'm discovering now. You know what I mean? Um, it happens. It doesn't make me any less of a horror fan. You know, it, the thing is, is, and this is something I believe I've even said it on this podcast before, being a fan shouldn't be a, a chore. Love what you love, learn what you learn about, and just enjoy it and this whole bit of like, you know, time limits and, and who knows what and stuff like that. Like, you know, it, we're not here to measure dicks. Okay. Like be a fan, enjoy what you enjoy, enjoy what you enjoy. I know I, sometimes I, my mouth just does not want to work. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, it, that's just kind of what I wanted to jump into. I spent way too much time talking about this. It is time from the bowels of Studio Zero and the Next Level Network, nothing can save you now. From What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul, welcoming you back to hell and back to an actual episode. Yay! Woohoo! I know, right? This week, finally, episode 68. It's just taking about a month to get here and she's a real space rocket of an episode too um yeah from the outer reaches of the cosmos comes a visual experience like none other well except maybe the movie it you know it, it's kind of remaking um, kind of i'll explain that later but anyways from the director featured in the documentary blood boobs and beast beast wow the sci-fi thriller made in baltimore night, night. beast Sounds like a great, like, black metal name. Night Beast. It's currently offered for free on Tubi, by the way. Anyways. Um, for those of you who might have checked out that last um, flashback episode, it's funny to hear a baby postmortem, wasn't it? Um, not that it... I mean, my voice was pretty much the same, but... I noticed I didn't lisp as much. You guys probably noticed that, and I apologize for that. For some reason, I've acquired a lisp. I don't know Why? My teeth are still the same. But anyways, yeah, I don't know. I noticed that um, like occasionally my S's are very loud. It's like a snake. Um, and I do apologize for that. But anyways, some sad news this morning. Some sad news. Rest in peace, Mr. Max Von Sydow. Yes, passed away at the age of 90, though. So, you know what? I mean, obviously it's sad. You know, we lose a legend like that and whatnot. But, um, Shit man lived a nice full life didn't he um and uh, i mean what a what a career to have like two of my favorite movies the exorcist and flash gordon and he's a part of both of them and he's a big part of both of them um that's awesome um you know i did fuck just recently what was it uh force awakens he was a part of you know what i mean like um 
man's been acting for a long time. Dune. Dune's another one. I'm trying to think of movie names while I'm doing this here. and I, Because, I mean, he's done some seriously iconic roles. Um, but he'll always be Father Marin to me. I mean, it, Exorcist is my favorite Max film, basically. But, yeah, passed away at 90. So sad. But, I mean, and again, like I said, 90 years old. And a career that has spanned, what, six decades at least? If not more? I mean, shit. Uh, probably a lot more. I'm just... Again, I'm estimating things. I just saw this on social media this morning, so... Social media, yeah. Social media where they're telling us to wash our hands. Isn't this common sense, people? What the fuck? Seriously. In 2019, we were supposed to have a Blade Runner future. 2020, wash your hands. Fuck off. God. <laughs> Anyways... I'm not going to go into a rant story time. I have a story to tell you guys. So, and there's a direction and a point to this. It's not just me blabbering on. Um, so, uh, what was it last weekend? Screwing around, uh, looking at old like VHS tapes and whatnot. And I have a lot of like the blank tapes with no labels on them. I, I was horrible for that. But back in the day, I know this is going to sound really stupid, but... Back in the day, I could have a blank tape with no labels on it, and I still knew it was on the tape, based on where I had it located in my room. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but I mean, fast forward two decades, and yeah, I don't know what's on these tapes now. So anyways, I'm fucking around the other day, and I popped this one tape in there, and you know, it starts up, and it's like, it was in the middle of the tape or whatever, and I see the movie Dead Alive is on there, and I'm like, ooh! But it was what I noticed in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen where it said Scream. For those of you who don't know, we weren't part of, you know, Canada. Uh, we used to have a cable network known as Scream. Scream Television, Scream TV, whatever you wanted to call it. It was like um, Kojiko Cable One, Cable Channel 148, I think it was, or something like that. Anyways, I used to love this channel. I mean, they had like... Fuck. They would have like Evil Dead marathons where they would put Evil Dead 1, 2, and 3 on. Um, Dead Alive, obviously. Um, they, had, they loved Bruce Campbell because uh, Sundown in uh, Sundown the Vampire in Retreat was another film they played a lot. Uh, they played Die Hard a lot, which I never understood. Die Hard's not a horror movie. But anyway, Scream was um, primarily based in horror. Um, you know, the odd time it would show like a thriller or, you know, a paranormal film or whatnot. But it was primarily horror. And fucking love this channel not to mention they had like a lot of series they would show the old friday the 13th series uh poltergeist the legacy um oh fuck what's the other one shit outer limits was on there occasionally um which i know is more sci-fi but still um it was a great channel it ran from 2001 to 2009 and then they changed it to dusk um, which was basically, it showed like suspense movies. It, they didn't want to go into the gore and the horror anymore. And it, it flunked. Uh, <laughs> by 2012, it was completely gone. Anyways, di this tape I had, it was like six hours of programming from Scream TV. And it's actually three movies. It was Dead Alive. And then there's like some like stuff in between. And then there was Vampire Sundown and Retreat. And then, you know, some, uh, like, behind-the-scenes and interviews and shit like that of different movies. And then Big Meat Eater from 1982, which I actually had to, like, wait for the title because I didn't recognize it at first. I'm like, what the fuck did I record here? 
I was like, oh my god, I didn't even re- like. I totally forgot that Scream aired that movie. It was like, fuck, this is awesome. Anyways, to get to my point, the reason why I brought this up. So it got me thinking. I was like, you know, in the in in the age of the internet, you know, where we can tell people to wash their fucking hands. Okay, can I create my own TV channel? I was like, you know what? Like, aside from YouTube, because I, eventually I want to have a YouTube channel as well. But I was like, I'd love to have like something where like I could like put my own movies on there and maybe even like start my own horror hosting, but visually and not through a podcast. Found out I can create a Roku streaming channel. And I've actually been learning how to do it. Now, I mean, at current moment, uh, it's not really good yet. I, uh, I mean, I don't really have a name for it at the moment. I'm calling it Horror Vision at the moment, but I don't know if I'm going to stick with that. I, it, it's probably going to change. Um, but I am working on it. I have three movies linked to it already. Um, because I'm doing it for free, it's basically going to be like public domain films. Um, so I have Night of the Living Dead, White Zombie, and The House on Haunted Hill linked to it so far. But yeah, it's kind of cool. Uh, kind of learning it as I'm going along. I've never done something like this before, so it's kind of cool. But uh, when it's up and running, I will be reporting it through the podcast. Um, I know I have kind of toyed with the idea of calling it What Lurks Behind Channel Zero. Um, but the only problem with that is is if I make it a public channel, i got to make it like a name that people can... Like, we'll know to search. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially if they have, like, well, it's going to be through Roku exclusively because it's a Roku channel. But um, it's got to be something that they can find easily. You know, I, I don't want to, like, if I write what lurks, you know, behind Channel Zero, someone would have to know to look for Channel Zero, where most people are going to go on there and stream, you know, they're going to search horror movies. So I'm trying to think of some, a, a name that would, like, link to that. So we'll figure it out. Um Last last little story about VHS tapes, and then we'll uh, we'll pretty much move on to something else. But anyways, I do want to give a shout out to a friend, um, TJ, and not TJ the drummer. I know I've done movies um, that he's requested. Uh, no, this is a different TJ. Uh, just recently, she hooked me up with a nice haul of VHS tapes. It was almost like 30 or 31 tapes or something like that. Anyways, it was tapes that included Child's Play, which I still needed. So that was awesome. Uh, Night of the Demons 1 and 2, Saw 1 and 2, Dr. Giggles. Uh, Dr. Giggles, I love that movie. Uh, Arachnophobia, Valentine, Spawn. There was a whole shitload of tapes. She just fucking, it was like a huge box. Um... Which her and I had talked about like way back in October and you know her sister was getting rid of tapes and she's like here do you want any of these I'm like I'll take this one and this one and this one and this one well I finally got them so I was like yeah fucking right and not to mention I also recently scored uh, Waxwork with uh, Zach Galligan and Deborah Foreman finally got that back on VHS so I know I'm like chronicling my VHS collection through my podcast <laughs> but um Anyways, I'm going to take like tiny little break, and when we come back, I'm going to do a mini-review before getting into the movie of the week. Uh, I just want to quickly talk about Altered Carbon. Be back in a moment. Take it from Carinkles. That's me. The best breakfast under the big top is post-sugar rice Carinkles. So crinkly, so delicious, so different. Each grain of rice in sugar rice Carinkles is carinkled with honey and sugar. It's so good, I crinkle every time I eat it. Yep, 
No matter what other rice cereal you've ever tried, you'll love post-sugar rice crinkles best of all. Honey and sugar make it different and wonderful. A circus of fun to eat. So you crinkle on down to the store for post-sugar rice crinkles, the greatest cereal treat on earth. Have you had your sugar rice crinkles today? Don't ask me what possessed me to put that in here. It was just I, I saw it the other day on social media. <laughs> One of the things not telling me to wash my hands. But anyways, I saw that on there and I remembered seeing that like years ago. And I don't know, just... I was like, I'm going to throw that in there just for fun. It, the, the visuals are actually a lot more fun than just listening to it, but whatever. Anyways, Altered Carbon. So I want to quickly talk about Season 2. I'm not going to spoil very much, if anything at all, really. But I just wanted to talk about it because, like... The thing is, is I have no clue what show people were watching on I Like, like IMDb reviews for Season 2. What the fuck were these people watching? Like... For once in a blue moon, and this does not happen very often, I'm actually with the paid critics. I'm actually with, like, you know, like, like Hollywood Reporter and, you know, TMZ and all these other, like, fucking shit sites that are actually saying season two. Okay, it's not as good as season one, obviously, but it's still quite fucking awesome. And I have no clue what the fuck people were expecting. It... The, the whole premise is it takes place, what, 30 years later? And we're not in Bay City anymore. So you're not going to have the whole, like, Ghost in the Shell, Blade Runner look of, like, you know, this, like, fantastic metropolis of, like, beautiful landscapes and cityscapes and whatnot. You're not going to have that this time around. I mean, we all know with every TV show, and this happens with every show, the budget gets smaller. So they don't pay as much into it. And TV shows are, you know, the creators are forced to figure out a way to keep the show entertaining without the, you know, influx of money coming in. And I felt they did a pretty good job with this. Anthony Mackie, you know, he's uh, he's taking over the role of Takeshi Kovacs. I personally think he's okay. Like, I think people forget something. He has to play a character that's already been defined. Uh, like Will Yun Lee and Joel Kinnaman in the first season defined that character. They created they, they created what you know in their vision and what they were directed as well. But I mean, they gave us their version of Takeshi Kovacs on the screen with the way the story goes, and you know we're re-sleeving Takeshi in the, the you know the second season. Now it's a new actor playing the role. Now we were lucky enough to have Will Yun Lee come back. And reprise the role, you know, in his own way. I'm not going to say how, but we'll we'll just say he's 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 in season two. But Anthony Mackie has to basically recreate Joel Kinnaman's version of Takeshi, and I thought he did all right. I mean, it, it's sure it's easy to say, oh well, you know, just do what the guy did before you, but you still have to get yourself into that mentality and that that persona and whatnot and that's hard and i'm not gonna lie i thought mackie did a good job um because let's face it he wasn't even part of season one he wasn't even considered during season one you know what i mean like he gets cast after season one has already come and gone um renee elise goldsbury she uh plays Kelchrist falconer she plays kel uh she's the only other Return well, there's also Chris Connor as Poe. 
Um, but for the most part, it's Renee and Chris are the only two that technically return. I mean, the character of Takeshi returns, but it's a different actor playing him, except for when William Lee is playing him, which, again, I'm trying not to spoil anything, but <laughs> yeah. Um, let's be fair, though. It's the addition of the new characters that helps this second season, like Simone Misik as Trep. Leela Lauren as Danica Harlan and Dina Shahabi as I think I'm saying that name last name right Shahabi as Dig 301 she's like the Poe version 2.0 I guess you would say um they they're nice additions I'm not I, I liked especially uh, Simone Missick uh, as Trap I thought she was a very nice addition to the story um uh, how do you do a review without spoiling shit? And the thing is, is I mean, I could talk a little bit in depth about it, but it's just I want I I don't like doing spoiler reviews for something that just rec like just recently came out. You know, Castlevania is the other thing that just recently came out. I'm not talking about that this week, um, but uh, okay. So l let me talk about this for a second. So. I know that a lot of people are disappointed with season two. For me, there's one drawback. There is one one thing that stands out, and I've already kind of highlighted on it, was the obvious lack of funding. Um, the high-tech aesthetic of season one is not there. It does hurt. However, even though the visuals are not there, the main story and its side narratives are solid enough to distract from what I called the apparent dulling of the optical sensations. Um, <laughs> the thing is, is that season one, and this was something I was talking about with a friend as well, it, my friend TJ actually, um, we were talking about the fact that season one had so, so many side stories and there was a lot of twists going on. Season two has less of that, which... It's a more compact story. The, the other thing is, is this season is only eight episodes where the first season was 10. Now, I mean, you're sitting there saying, okay, well, it's only two extra episodes, which you're right. Uh, it, you know, it's only two hours extra when you think about it. But there's a lot less to keep track of this season. It, it's all, the, the stories are very straightforward. Um, and I think that that kind of works in in favor of season two. For me personally, the first season was better than the second season, but not by much. Like if I have to give it like, you know, ratings, first season was almost a perfect 10 out of 10. I fucking love season. Season one was amazing. The second season, however, is easily a solid 8.5. Like it's still solid. And like I said, that's why I wanted to do like a mini review because I have no clue what show people were watching when they were like, and that was the thing too. Like I was noticing a lot of people were like, Oh, I watched the first episode. I hate it. Okay. But the something like, look at it this way. Okay. In season one, you started off with a bang. Like it pulled you in. Like everything looked beautiful. The story was solid. It was deep. It grabbed you. And as the season went on, it kind of dulled off a little. Season two does the opposite. Season two starts off a little dull, 
But by the end of it, it's like, whoa, fuck, I'm so glad I watched it. And that was the thing, like, I was noticing a lot of the reviews online were people complaining, oh, I watched the first episode, I hate this, I'm not finishing it. Well, then you're lost, bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We live in an era where people should understand television storytelling by now. It's either going to start off slow and pick up, or it's going to start off big and slow down. Um, I don't know. Fan, fan, hate, fan in quotes, because really, um, but the hate online, welcome to 2020, right? Well, we've been doing this for a while, apparently, folks. Human race at its potential. I don't know. The hate is completely unwarranted, in my opinion. And again, this is my opinion. I'm not telling you you have to agree with me, but I don't know. IMDB and Twitter, Twitter as well, like a bunch of whining Twitter tots, if you ask me, like, just stop whining. You know, you don't like it, don't watch it, but gotta keep it edgy, yo. Um, anyways, that's my review. Now it's time to really move on to some Oscar-winning material. Uh, it deserves all the accolades it gets. Um, and uh, watching reviews on YouTube for this movie were... <laughs> Fuck, that was fun as hell. Everybody pretty much said the same thing, but they did it in their own special ways. And fuck. Uh, because if you have guts, he wants them. We will be right back with the review of the week. Night Beast. I still said I would make a great black metal song. Night Beast. What was it? Jay and Silent Bob. Buzzsucker. All right, I'll stop. Back in a moment, kids. From another galaxy. From another world. Comes the embodiment of fear. What the hell was that? Night Beast. Terror from beyond. from a distant planet. A killing machine with a taste for human flesh. A community abandoned in a code of silence. Wicker never even called the state. They don't even know we have a bad situation here. A love affair. You know, you're a very attractive girl, Lisa. Two people brought together by the urgency of the moment. Two people torn apart by the savage fury of Night Beast. I'm sorry, Jamie. There was nothing that could be done. The most vicious creature to ever span the intergalactic void has come to pay its respects. This is the story of how the little people answer the big questions. See the movie that will change the face of modern science fiction cinema. Night Beast. Terror from beyond. If you have guts, he wants them. I love that tagline. I don't know why. I just really love that tagline. 
All right, so I'm not going to waste any time. I know every time I come back from the trailer, I start talking about something else. No. Night Beast. <laughs> Night Beast was released November of 1982. Specific date? Don't fucking know. Nobody, nobody had it online. I looked everywhere. I researched everywhere for that fucking, like, the actual release date just said November of 1982. Uh, I did find out, though, that the DVD was released September 28th in 2004 by Trauma. And most recently, last year, I think, 2019, uh, released on Blu-ray through Vinegar Syndrome. So what about this Night Beast movie? Who wrote it? Who directed it? Who edited it? Produced it? Who did all the behind-the-scenes shit? All one man. Written, directed, edited, and produced by Don Doler. Yes, this is a Don Doler film. If you're familiar with Don Doler films, um, then you know not to expect much. But as one reviewer said on YouTube, the man tries. And we feel for him because he tries. And that's awesome. It is so true. Um... So Night Beast, however, is, it's funny because it, it, right now we have this new Candyman coming out and it's called a spiritual sequel. And I almost feel like that fits this uh, because this movie is a remake and a sequel <laughs> and it's to Don's 1978 debut, The Alien Factor, um, which is kind of funny because this has that whole... Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2 feel to it, in which it's basically the same story twice, um, with a few changes to it. I mean, because the alien factor of the film was uh, based on a small town that was besieged by three aliens that crash-landed in the nearby forest. Um, when I read the synopsis for this, you're going to be like, hmm, sounds familiar. Uh <laughs> <laughs> he's uh Don Doler did uh he directing directing anyways he was uh he directed seven other films which included Fiend uh The Galaxy Invader Blood Massacre and Alien Factor 2 The Alien Rampage which it's funny because he has Alien Factor 2 and Night Beast which is supposed to be a sequel to Alien Factor so wouldn't that make this Alien Factor 2 um the whole thing with Don Doler is, you know, he tried to tell a story. He tried to do it a couple times, like like that on like that YouTube reviewer said. Like he tries. <laughs> um, this film originally was to be directed by another director, uh, Dave Getty, but apparently that didn't pan out. So Don Doler did it. So we know who wrote it. We know who directed it. We know who edited the film we know who produced it so we can that's all one person uh so special effects special effects the beast design was done by john dodds john dodds also worked on the deadly spawn spookies uh my demon lover poltergeist 3 and ghostbusters 2 ah now here's here's a nice piece of trivia for you the music music for this film was done by rob walsh but that's not the that's he kind of added to it um the score was done by a man by the name of Jeffrey Abrams. Hmm, sound familiar? Maybe J.J. Uh, Abrams? Yes, this was his first entry into the film world. He did the score. At 16 years old, I might add. Uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty fucking cool. I mean, 
Say what you want about J.J. I know some people love him, some people hate him. Oh, he ruined Star Wars. Ah, go fuck yourself. Whatever, he did not. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, what was... Uh, fuck, what's the guy's name? Shit, can't think of it. Uh, Ryan something. Ryan, whatever whatever the fuck he was, his name that did Last Jedi. Notice, that's how great Last Jedi was, is I don't even remember who the director's name was. Um, Ryan, what the fuck? Not that it's important because, I mean, Last Jedi is the weakest of the three films that came out. I, I might like it, but it's not that great. Anyways, J.J. Abrams. Um, yes, this was his his start in the film world. He apparently uh, had come into contact with Don Doler and Don said, hey, you want to make some music? And so, yeah, he did the score for this, which the score is pretty cool, actually. I'm not going to lie. Um, he was also part of the sound effects team. He helped do the sound effects for this film, along with Don Doler, Greg Doler, Dave Ellis, and Jim Fox. So it's pretty fucking cool. Um, the starring cast. We're able to jump right into this. And the starring cast for this, uh, coincidentally, most of the cast in this film were from The Alien Factor. It was pretty much he got the same people to just come back and be in this movie. Um, and most of them reprised roles that they did in the Alien Factor. Now, there's a few names that were omitted. Uh, they weren't part of, you know, this film, whatever. But um, here's the cast in no particular order, by the way. Like, um, some of the lead characters I mentioned later and blah, 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 whatever. This is just who showed up in this film. Uh, Don Liefert as Drago. Drago. And now we're not talking Ivan Drago from like Rocky Four. We're talking like he, this guy's like the biker guy. You know, he's the he's the stereotyped stereotypical biker in the in the in the movie. Uh Tom Griffith is Sheriff Cinder. Um our our sex appeal manly sheriff. You, I'll explain more of that later. Um, Richard Diesel as Mayor Burt Wicker. Uh, Richard, fuck, I hate. I'm gonna feel like a moron. I'm gonna. Uh, I'll say it's Gewitz. Richard Gewitz as Pete. I apologize. You know, I really should learn how to pronounce names, but I couldn't find anywhere that someone pronounced his name. It's not my fault, man. Fuck. Get off my back. George Stover as Stephen Price. Eleanor Herman. Um, she's the actual real, like, sex appeal character in this. She's cute. She's very sexy. Uh, she played Mary Jane Carter. You're going to, as I go through the review, you'll understand why I keep highlighting who the sex appeal is versus who's the supposed sex appeal. Um Anne Frith as Dr. Ruth Sherman. Not Dr. Ruth. Um, no, she's like the doctor's assistant. Uh, Stephen Price is our doctor, by the way, I might add. It's Dr. Stephen Price. And she's his assistant. Jamie Zemerl as Jamie Lambert. Really hard to remember his first name. Um, this was his only lead role, I might add. Because um, he basically is the lead, along with Tom Griffith. Uh, they're like your two leads in this. Uh Karen Cardian, not Kardashian, Cardian, as Lisa Kent. Supposed sex appeal. 
going to explain that, I promise. Uh, and Don Doler has a role in this film, but he was credited as Don Michaels. Uh, he plays Jimmy Perkins. The movie was rated R for nudity, violence, profanity, and frightening and intense scenes. Yes, it's so frightening. Oh my god. My skin was crawling just watching this movie. The budget? Oh, so yeah. <laughs> okay. The this movie either cost $14,000 or $42,000. I have no fucking clue. Um I've heard a lot of people say it was 14000 in different reviews I was watching. So I assume that's it. But on IMDb, it says the budget for this movie was 42000 Which, in a way, I think might make more sense. But I don't know. Because Alien Factor, I think I read that Alien Factor was made for like 3500 So 14000 would still be more. Because this, this had a higher budget than Alien Factor. Which is why supposedly... Like, supposedly you would say this movie looks better than the alien factor, which it does. It does. But loosely saying it looks better. The runtime for this movie is 80 minutes and your synopsis for the film. So basically here's the idea of this film. Okay. So Baltimore filmmaker, Don Doler, this is his update on his 1978-79 film, The Alien Factor. This time, only a single alien, reptilian-looking, think V, if you want, crash-landing near a small town and going on a rampage. Literally. (laughs) It starts killing anyone it finds. This alien just, like, he's pissed off. He's just going to kill anything, anything and everything, either by shooting them with a ray gun, pew-pew, or ripping their guts out, which that some of those scenes are kind of cool. Um, the local sheriff, along with a deputy and several others, they try to kill the monster during shootouts, but bullets do not hurt it. You'll notice as the movie keeps going on, they still keep trying to shoot him. Bullets don't hurt him. Put the fucking gun down. Uh, <laughs> the group evacuates the rest of the town, and they continue to fight on to save the day. And that's basically the synopsis for this film. Now, I bring that up because the alien factor, take out the fact that it was three aliens and you have the same fucking movie. Um, (laughs) Which that's the thing with Don Doler films, but I'll explain that. Anyways, notes from the depths of space in the pit of hell, because this movie is, wow. Believe it or not, one of the titles featured... On the Section 3 Video Nasties list in the UK in the early 1980s. This was a video nasty. I mean, okay, there's some explicit gore. I'm not going to lie. The gore is kind of cool in this. There's some nudity. But those scenes were added after the initial like shooting was done. Um, and only to pad out the running time. Because I guess when they originally filmed this... It was something like just under, it was just over 60 minutes, I think. So they had to add some shit. Um, But I mean, I watched this movie today and I'm like, man, what they threw on the video nasties in the (laughs) eighties, good three quarters of those films do not hold up in 2020. (laughs) This is one of them. Um, Kind of cool though. A little trivia fact. Uh, If you've seen the movie Mandy, you know, a 2018 film with uh, Nicolas Cage. There is a scene where this movie is playing on TV. Um, 
you can see it in there. So I don't know. One thing I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> so reading reviews and whatnot, and one fan wrote that they felt this movie was Mayberry versus The Predator. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Predator used stealth. The Predator just did not come off the fucking ship and say, I'm just going to kill everything. Well, in a way, I guess he did. But it took its time to play out. One thing about this movie, uh-uh, we ain't wasted no fucking time getting started. Like, within, like, what, the first 15 to 20 minutes, a lot happens. <laughs> And it's a lot of pew, 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 a lot of fucking lasers and shit, you know, um, I mean, there's a, you know, he's ripping a few people apart, he rips some arms off and shit, it's, 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 I'm not gonna lie, in terms of the action and the gore and the violence of this alien, this monster, whatever you want to call him, it's pretty fucking cool, um, the Night Beast himself looks like, well, his fashion sense is fucked. You can tell he's from another planet. Very 1970s-ish. Like, he's like a disco reject. Got the V-neck thing going on. It's like, dude, it's time to let Saturday Night Fever go. <laughs> let it go. Um, but it's funny. It's funny at the same time. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I believe the Red Letter Media... Um, review that I watched, which was a Halloween episode they did or whatnot. They reviewed this movie, and I think it was them that pointed out like he uh, he looks like a deformed Howard the Duck. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was them, anyways. I watched probably about a good like half dozen like video reviews on this movie. I had to hear what people were saying about this movie. I already had my own thoughts like written down, but it was like. I have to know what other people thought of this thing because <laughs> this movie is something else. It's fun. I'm not going to lie. It is very entertaining. Especially the first half. It does decline. Sort of like Altered Carbon. Season 1, you know, started off amazing and it kind of drifted downwards a bit. But, I mean, it was still fucking amazing. But this movie, I don't know if I'd call it fucking amazing. Um I will say, though, just side note, that Red Letter Media episode, if you're looking for this, like, to watch their take on it, uh, Night Beast, they also do Trick or Treat, the 1986 Trick or Treat in that movie, which, uh, in that episode, which is fucking funny. I'll admit, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Red Letter Media, but I do like some of the shit they put out, and this was one of their better episodes, so have fun with that, um, <laughs> There's a nice little, uh, let's say there's a, a, a birthday being celebrated, birthday boy thing that goes on in that that is kind of funny. But anyways, back to Night Beast. Uh, JJ's music is kind of cool. Uh, it's very synthy. It's a cheesy synth score, but it I like what it brought to the movie. Um, and it's JJ Abrams, so... You know, knowing that that's, like, this is his, like, entry into the film world was, like... Okay, I appreciate this film that that little bit more. So, sex appeal time. Chicka bow bow, chicka bow bow. The sheriff in this movie. Well, he's something else, man. He is uh, quite the Mac Daddy, apparently. He's got some funky, sexy mojo juice working because his partner, his deputy, Lisa. Uh, she decides. Okay, so there's one point where like he's got like his leg gets injured whatever and you know she's like take your pants off i have to fix your leg 
And apparently that gets her fucking mojo going because she then decides afterwards she's going to take a shower. But she strips like right in front of him. Like it's nothing. Like, oh, hey, I got to go take a shower here. Watch me take my top off in front of you. And they decide that they want to have sex. Now, I don't even think there's a relationship between these two, but they just decide, hey, you patched my leg up, you took your top off, let's get it going on. The problem is, is this sex scene is probably one of the most unappealing things I've ever watched. This is not like, okay, and I've always had this joke growing up, even when I was a teenager, I always used to say, like, you know, as a teen, you get all horny over, like, the hot sex scenes and the nude scenes and whatnot, and I always used to say, what's the point? You can't touch them. But, I mean, that was more a joke than anything else. The thing is, is that this is one time where I'm like, why am I watching this? This is not good. <laughs> like, it's really random. Um, I don't know. I guess it, Don Doler just felt like, you know, we need some boobs in this. And we need a, a shower scene, I guess. Or we can use the shower scene as an excuse to have our sheriff's partner take her top off and... Then we can have two of the most unappealing characters in this movie have sex, and it'll turn you on. No, it doesn't. Uh, most fans will tell you they wished it was Mary Jane that was going topless in this movie. Uh, Eleanor Herman's character, she's cute. She's kind of cute, really. Um, I'm not. And don't get me wrong. I'm not like saying, oh, well, women have to get topless in a fucking scene for me to like them. No, I'm not talking. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like. This sex scene just doesn't work. I'm like, why is this here? I mean, ugh, I'd rather watch, like, I don't know, anything <laughs> over this. Um, <laughs> and then you have the Drago story. So the Drago, like I said, he's Drago. He's, it's not Ivan Drago. It's just Drago. And he's like the typical biker. He's the, he's that stereotype. You know, he's Sam Crow, but except he's not good. Um but his whole story, like, which is, it's weird. It turns this movie serious for a moment because, like, okay, so Drago's girlfriend is sleeping with Jamie because Drago abuses his girlfriend. And then there's, like, this whole part where, like, he, like, kills his girlfriend. Like, he strangles her to death and whatnot and beats the shit out of her. And it's like, it, it it's like, wow, all of a sudden this movie got dark real fast. Um because it's a solid piece of commentary, actually. It just feels out of place in this hokey, like, campy, B-grade alien monster movie. Like, it's like, wow, why did you put that in there? But, I mean, I don't know. I guess it, it adds layers to the film, I guess. I don't know. And then you have the mayor. He's doing, like, this whole, like, Jaws type of thing. And it other reviewers have said the same thing. And even I thought the same thing. I'm like, it's like that whole, like, well, we're going to ignore this like thing that we should be panicked about, you know, wash your hands. Um, but no, we're going to ignore this thing that we should panic about. This alien monster has just landed in our backyard and is like killing all of us, but we've got to keep our image up. We got to have this party for the governor and blah, blah, blah. Because, well, in essence, it's actually how politicians are, you know, accurate. But I mean, it's like we have that thing going on in this in this movie. Uh, but the scene that stands out for me, th th this was a thing like the doctor, Dr. Stephen Price and his assistant, Dr. Ruth. So there's one point in this film where the alien, the night beast, 
that comes out during the day as well. So why is it called a night beast? But anyways, it's like stalking them or whatever. And so they decide they're going to hide in the basement. Basement of the hospital. <laughs> um, which I have commentary on the hospital in a second. But anyways, so they go and they hide in the basement. The night beast smashes down the door, which is apparently made out of like plywood. Uh, but it's, and I like how like they show like the stairs and you see like these like, you know, strips of wood falling down the stairs. It's like, okay, so that's the door apparently that he just shredded. But anyways, so the night beast slams through the door, he comes into the basement and he's like searching for Dr. Price and, you know, Dr. Ruth. And they're not really hiding hard. Like, like, like they're not in a difficult spot to find they're just kind of off to the side and this creature doesn't notice them and then like dr price says to dr ruth i have a plan kind of thing i have to do something about this and the monster doesn't hear him he's not whispering he's like talking i mean i guess it's a whisper but i mean really not um and he's moving around in the room the same room which looks like a laundry room i might add and he's making noises the, the 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 night beast does not hear the sounds. He doesn't see Dr. Price for some reason. As like Dr. Price is setting up this like booby trap to like electrocute the monster, which there's a puddle of water on the floor apparently. Why? You don't have maintenance to mop that shit up. But anyways, there's a puddle on the floor. So we take like a, a plug and we like sever off the top, making all this noise, getting the wires to come out of the plug so that we can electrocute the night beast. And the night beast does not hear them nor see them until like the last moment when he's about to attack and Dr. Price drops down the wire in the puddle. And we zap him. Okay. I don't know. It's just funny because you want proof that this is a low budget movie, right? I swear this whole thing is filmed in one house and there's other reviewers who have highlighted the same thing. Even I thought it, I'm watching this movie going, the, the, the hospital looks like someone's spare bedroom that you just gutted and you put like a, a, a hospital cot in. And like I said, like, we go and hide in the hospital's basement. They come running out of the hospital. It's clearly a house. <laughs> it's not a hospital. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be in some like small backwoods kind of town and whatnot. But then at the same time, like when when Sheriff, you know, Cinder and his deputy go back to his place, it's the same house. <laughs> it's like, wow. Definitely filmed all in one house. At least that's how it appeared to me. The thing with Don Dohler films, and I, you know, I mentioned this kind of earlier. They all have the same premise for the most part, uh, with the exception of I think Fiend. Fiend was kind of a different premise, but uh, Alien comes to Earth, starts killing as it lands, and the rural, the the small rural community must fight back. And it, the movies are cheesy as fuck, but you know it. Like I said earlier, I mean, we admire them because he tries, right? Um, if you're a fan of cheesy films, you know, to just sit back and tear apart, you know, you just want to have fun with them. This will be right up your alley, uh, you know, at least the first part anyways. Like, it's not that the ending is bad. It's just, 
it's not as effective as the beginning of the film. Um, different receptions of the film. TV Guy. TV Guy gave it one out of four stars, which is a lot better than what they gave, like, the Alien Factor. Because the Alien Factor, they rated that at a negative two out of five. Like, ouch. <laughs> so, this is an improvement. One out of four stars. Uh, the quote from TV Guy, you know, they basically said, although the special effects, including some startling use of gore makeup are noteworthy, the actors aren't given much to do other than stand around and talk. The final result is disappointing. Well, they don't just talk, they die. You know, they get shot. They disappear into the ether. Um, It's funny, too, because, like, this alien, like, he shoots lasers and shit. And, like, you know, people disappear. Cars disappear. Objects disappear. But not walls. They can hide behind walls. And he shoots at them. And the walls don't disappear. It's kind of interesting. But anyways. Um... Mark Miller of Ain't It Cool News wrote that all in all, Night Beast is a drive-in, beer-swilling, audience-heckling, fun-filled kind of movie. Which, yes, uh, that's basically it. Like, it's just, you watch this to heckle it. And I think Don Doler knew that going into this. I, I He must know that this is, like, the kind of movie that people are going to tear apart. This has got, like, you know, Mystery Science Theater written all over it. Um most fans of bad B-movies seem to hold this one dear to their hearts, despite its rating being around a 4 or 5 out of 10. Um, I saw one fan call it dolorific. <laughs> All right. Uh, because the IMDb rating is 4 out of 10. Here's the interesting thing. 1 out of 10 is the most common rating for it. But then it goes like 3, 2, 4. Um, just under 8% of the votes gave it a 10 out of 10. So I, and that's where I say like your bad B movie fans, they're the ones that will like, you know, they'll hold this one very dear to their heart. They'll say it's a 10 out of 10, man. Like, you know, because we do exist. (laughs) We are out there. Rotten Tomatoes, no critic review for this film. But it does hold an audience score of 40% rotten. So it seems like it's hovering around that whole like 4 out of 10 thing. Um, 67% of Google users like this film. The Podcast Zero rating. So the Podcast Zero rating. This can be a fun movie. I'm not going to lie. You can have fun with this movie. And especially if you have friends around. I watched it by myself last night, you know, getting caught up on it whatnot. It's still fun. Like, I make commentary. There's just no one to laugh in my comments. But, I mean, it's it's basically Don Dohler's second attempt at an alien invasion kind of monster movie with a, you know, a bit bigger budget. And it's not a complete failure. It offers a quick start, some great pew-pew scenes, some cool gore, and, one, like I said, one of the most unarousing sex scenes you might ever see in a movie. Good times. Good times. The music. The music is great by JJ. You know, some Star Wars haters might even say that the music in this is better than the latest Star Wars films. You know, because let's hate on Star Wars. Uh, It's the cool thing to do. Come on, guys. Everybody hates Star Wars. Um, Except the Mandalorian. Fuck you, that rules. Um, Anyways, I don't hate Star Wars movies. The acting in this is bad. It is wooden. I think it's meant to be. The dialogue delivery is a fucking riot. Uh, if you're in the right mood for this movie um, at that time, like you will, you will laugh at some of the dialogue. The monster is cool. He's got a disco thing going on. Like I said, he really needs to let go of Saturday Night Fever. But um, 
problem with the movie, like the the monster, is he's not in the movie a lot. Um, but enough. I mean, would I say this movie is dolorific? The podcast zero rating for the film is critically. Critically, when I when I rate this film, it is four pew pews out of ten. But as a fan of hokey, bad, B or C grade films, it's a six. Six pew pews. Pew 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 pew. Out of ten. So by the law of averages, five out of ten. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, like critically, it's it's a four. Um, I wouldn't go as far as like like you know, TV Guide's pretty harsh. You know, one out of four is basically you know twenty five percent. Two point five out of ten. That that's fucking rough. It's not that bad. I mean, and again, go into this movie wanting to have fun. You know, it doesn't have to be amazing. It doesn't have to be Gandhi. You know, I get tired of that. So many people, like, will criticize movies because, oh, you know, it wasn't breathtaking. Fuck off. Have fun with the movie. That's what you do with this movie. Have fun with it. And on that note, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. And welcome back to an actual episode. Not a flashback episode or any of that shit. No. Um, it does look like, I, I'm going to put this out there now, it does look like that the up, the, the podcast is going to run every two weeks from now on, I think. I think that just works best um, for me anyway, schedule-wise and whatnot. It's, it's just going to be better to do it every two weeks. So that's expect that the next episode will be two weeks from now. Um but uh yeah thank you for listening thank you for listening so you know let's just um lurkers recommendation and where to find the podcast and all that fun shit and then we'll slide off with a really cool track in my dad i picked a good one this week um so where to find the show so you, you know you just showed your friend this episode and they're like dude that guy is awesome i like listening to him got an annoying voice but whatever sounds like he's screaming all the time because i am but anyways um no i'm not actually sometimes i'm really calm i've noticed my volume levels go up and down because sometimes i'm really chill and you know got that sexy very white thing going on yeah right uh, but no I, I tend to jump up and down not jump like crisscross ow that was a bad pop culture reference but anyways Anyway, so you want to, you know, your friends like, where can I subscribe? Well, they can subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, CastBox, FM Player. There's a whole shitload of them. Wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever streaming service, you know, whatever app you use, you'll probably find it there. Or you can go to the Next Level Network, thenextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero. You can also go to whatlurksbehindpodcastzero.com. Tentatively still up. Thinking of pulling it though. But anyways, the traffic is just not there, guys. And you know what? It's it's partially my fault. I don't do enough with the site. It's it's my fault. I blame myself. But it's all me, man. It's all me. It's all about me. Social media, 2020, all about me. Anyways, wash your hands. Um, what lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com is where you can email me if you want to tell me to stop telling you to wash your hands. Um, but yes, email me. You know, feel free to. I answer the emails pretty quickly, actually, too. I'm pretty good at that one. Uh, Facebook. 
facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero and the facebook page i keep up pretty accurately um as much as i and you know i obviously i i pick on social media a lot but i do use the facebook page a lot and i don't i don't know i don't mind it most people on there like i i find that actually I like having conversations on there because people are pretty like level-headed and whatnot. You get the odd person who's like, "Oh, this movie sucks." Okay, whatever. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution to society. Um, <laughs> I gotta review that movie someday. Um, anyways, but yeah, I, I, I'm probably on the Facebook page the most. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero or Twitter at WLB Podcast Underscore Zero. Not going to lie, Twitter is... I just find that Twitter is so toxic sometimes. I don't know. It's just me. Anyways, uh, there's a Redbubble store as well. Best way to get to it? You can go to redbubble.com slash people slash podcast number zero. Or go on the Facebook page and click shop now. Um, It'll take you right to the store. Lurker's recommendation for the week? Uh... I was originally going to say watch Castlevania Season 3. It's on Netflix now. just dropped this past weekend. Uh, You can do that. I was also going to say, like, maybe, maybe, you know, in memory of Max von Sydow, because he did pass away, watch The Exorcist. Or Flash Gordon. Or Ghostbusters 2. He did the voice of Vigo. You know, um, he was uncredited, but he did the voice of Vigo. Um, The Vigo the Carpathian. Um, Yeah. Watch something with Max, you know. Remember the man that was the great Max von Sydow. It's a good Lurker's recommendation. Because Castlevania Season 3, I haven't watched yet. I don't even know if it's good yet. I assume it is. The first two seasons were awesome. Well, first season sucked only because it was only four episodes. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Give us more. I think this season is ten episodes. So that's good be worth it i'll still blitz it in a night and be done but watch altered carbon too if you like cyberpunk watch watch altered carbon it's good time to close up the show um i'm undecided on my next episode so that's why i i can't announce what it is because there's about three different movies i'm kind of toying with reviewing so I will announce it later on in the week on the Facebook page what episode 69 will be. 69, dude! Um, And no, I'm not doing Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Um, I should, though. That would be kind of fucking cool. Just thought of that. What number am I thinking of? 69! Anyways, uh, closing track. So, this is actually a popular tune. It's by a popular band. If you are into popular metal music i guess um i'm a big fan of the band amaranth as a matter of fact after this new single just got released by them i have been like driving everyone nuts around me because i just like have been literally playing their whole discography like non-stop with the odd like time where i'm listening to like camelot or shit like that but anyways um amaranth recently released a song called do or die and the interesting thing about this is if you're familiar with the band Amaranth, it's usually, you know, Elise is the female vocalist and then there's two male vocalists, one that does clean vocals and one that does, you know, the harsh, like, grunting shit. 
Um, this time, the guys sit down. The guys, you know, they, they let the women take over. And it's Elise featuring Angela Casal, who used to be the lead singer of Arch Enemy before she decided she wanted out of the limelight and she let Alyssa White Glues take over, um, which is awesome because, like, she handpicked her. She, 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 she picked Alyssa to be her replacement. So I know there's a lot of Arch Enemy fans who are like, oh, it sucks now without Angela and whatnot. Okay, yes, Alyssa is definitely not the vocalist that Angela was, but Angela handpicked Alyssa, and I, I feel like Angela is still a huge part of Arch Enemy, even though she's not in the forefront, so whatever. But it was kind of nice to see her like come out of quote-unquote retirement and do this song with Amaranth. And I was like, you know what? I've been beating the shit out of this song for so long. Like, pretty... Funny thing, my friend TJ sends me the song the night it was released. I was having a bad week. You guys even know, like, the, the episode for this, like, this 60, 68th episode got pushed back a week or two weeks, whatever. Um, it was just, it was a rough time. So I didn't actually listen to the song when he sent it to me. It was a couple days later. And then it was like, whew, I, like, went down the rabbit hole of Amaranth and have not, I pretty much haven't stopped since. So it's kind of funny. I, I was saying to some friends, you know, 2019, I was obsessed with Ice Nine Kills. This year it's going to be Amaranth. I can see it because they have a new album coming out this year and it's just going to be, ooh, I'm going to be going fucking nuts for this shit. So anyways, I need to stop talking. I'm going to play the song and the episode. Thank you for tuning in. You guys are fucking amazing. Sorry that the episode took so long to drop, but it's here now and I hope you enjoyed it. Watch Night Beast. Watch something with Max. You know, remember the great career that he had. Watch Castlevania Season 3. Watch something do something you know create something write a horror story do whatever be good to each other and remember let me say it one last time wash your fucking hands because apparently in 2020 this is not common sense so anyways i'm out thanks for tuning in and ciao for now Thank